Good evening. Hello. How's it going? Cool. Uh, good. How are you? Very well. Uh, uh, hey, uh, I'm gonna admit, you, you know, maybe it's just the <laughs> the limited distance between where we are, but you sound awesome. You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where all apologies to Mr. Puffett, but when am I ever going to be able to use a Veruca Salt song for my intro? Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Hi, my name's Sean Engel, and today on this episode of Just One of the Guys, we're going to be covering two comics. The first one is going to be Green Lantern number 94, where Green Lantern goes to Hawaii because he's trying to sketch things for his job. Because he's an artist, yeah. If you look at some of his art, maybe you wouldn't believe that. But also, we have a book that we've never covered before. We're going to be covering Superboy, number 47, which also ties in with this. It's a two-part storyline crossover called Idol Worship. Idol, you get it? Because they're going to Hawaii. And yeah, you get it. Anyway, because I am generally clueless about Superboy from this era, I have decided to call upon one of the great podcasters from the Superman Podcast Network to come help me out. And I came up with this wonderful person, a, well, not native Oklahoman, but an Oklahoma denizen, and the host of Superman in the Bronze Age, as well as one of the co-hosts on the Starman Observatory. Ladies and gentlemen, I am very proud to have on the show this time out, Mr. Charlie Niemeyer. Hey, Charlie, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Hey, thanks for coming on to do this. Um, you know, I'm, I know your, your purvey is pretty much Superman coming from the Bronze Age, but how much uh, did you read Superboy during this time? Did you read? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, basically, uh, I got into comics right after the death. Okay. Uh, and so I've got a ton of post-crisis stuff. I've got most of Superboy as well. Okay. So and I've read. I've read most of it. So I know quite a bit about. It. I'm, I'm, I'm no expert, but yes, I have. Superboy is in my wheelhouse as well. Well, that's great because, you know, there are going to be some questions. There's going to be some discussion about Superboy, and I'm glad at least there's going to be someone knowledgeable on this podcast about it. So. Yay. That's Where? Awesome. <laughs> Not in this chair. I'll guarantee that. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, we're going to go ahead and do what we normally do here, and that's take a little break, play a couple of promos for some excellent podcasts, possibly one for uh, Mr. Niemeyer's podcast. We'll uh, see if oh. we hit that one in. Because be fine. you said excellent. Well, I'm certainly really <laughs> But after we get back from that, we will go ahead and jump right in to our coverage of Green Lantern number 94. Stay tuned, folks. Play it. Come on. Play it loud. Play it loud. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. 
officer for Christ's sake. Thank yeah, God damn lucky he didn't kill all And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. The Bronze Age of Comics, an era largely ignored as far as Superman goes, and an era that some consider to still be part of the Silver Age. Sure, a lot of people know about the Kryptonite Nevermore storyline, where all the Kryptonite on Earth is turned to iron and Clark Kent goes from a newspaper reporter to a TV reporter. Then there are the Alan Moore stories, for the man who has everything and whatever happens to the man of tomorrow. But in an era that lasted 15 years, surely there's more to the Bronze Age than that, right? Well, my name is Charlie Niemeyer, and every other week, I shine the spotlight on this long-overlooked era of Superman in the Bronze Age. Featuring such stories as the return of Jonathan Kent, two meetings with the Amazing Spider-Man, the Phantom Zone miniseries, the enlarging of Krypton, and more. Plus, J. David Weider also joins in to take a look at Superboy's Bronze Age adventures. So join in the fun at www.supermanandthebronzeage.com and www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we are back. So let's go ahead and jump right on into our coverage of Green Lantern number 94. This one was cover dated January 1998. It was released on November 5th, 1997. The cover price was $1.95 US and 275 Canada. It's been that increased a bit, I guess. Uh, the title this time out was Idol Worship Part 1. Didn't really have a subtitle. The writer was Ron Mars. Penciler was Paul Pelletier. Inker was Terry Austin. Colorist Jason Wright. Letterer Chris Eliopoulos. Associate Editor Dana Curtin. And Editor Kevin Dooley. Our story opens with Green Lantern Kyle Rayner and Hawaiian hero Superboy being tossed into a volcano. Well, that was an easy synopsis. Who's up for some flapjacks? <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, I'm sorry, there's more pages after this. I, guess. Oh, I, keep I was going to say, that I'd was... Love some flapjacks, though. Oh, that would be kind of good, yeah. The real story opens in the office of the Fashion Challenge artist agent, Simone Montaigne, who wants to take a look at some of Kyle Rayner's artwork. And maybe his penis as well. But that would all be in the window. 
Kyle suffers through the double entendre laden conversation as he shows some of his artwork to Simone. Seeing the potential in Kyle's work, she offers him a job doing some artwork for a Hawaiian travel brochure. Kyle jumps at the chance to use his quote-unquote frequent flyer miles to travel to Hawaii for some reference, and Simone gives him a friendly smack on the ass to signify the beginning of their quote-unquote business relationship. Unfortunately, upon reaching the Aloha State, Kyle runs into a rampaging stone column who is bent on tearing down a hard rock cafe analog. However, Kyle is saved from being smacked into the building by the Kid of Steel, Superboy. The kid tells Green Lantern about this creature, known as a Menehune, and since he's tangled with him before, to let him deal with it. But the whole trying to talk the creature down thing doesn't work, so Green Lantern steps in and try to, tries to slow its rampage with a ring construct lay. That's L-E-I, not... you know. Again, sure it is. Well family-friendly comic. There we go. Again, the Menehune overpowers GL and Superboy yells to use iron against him, which Kyle takes literally by pounding the beastie with a ring construct steam iron. Superboy corrects this misunderstanding by surrounding Kona with iron girders, halting his rampage. Crisis averted, Superboy wonders what to do with the trapped titan when Kyle points out there are three more of them who just showed up out of nowhere. These Menehune are here to take Kona back and as they begin to fade away, the stone creatures apologize for the actions of their kind. And when the danger is gone, the worshippers come out, as scantily clad girls start clamoring for Green Lantern and Superboy's autographs. After appeasing the fans, our two heroes head off to a less crowded place, all the while catching up, catching each other up on what has gone on in their lives. Cal mentions that he's here on an assignment from his job to paint some images of the real Hawaii. Superboy marvels at Kyle's ability to draw, and Kyle offers to teach him how to draw some sketches. Superboy, of course, asks if they can start with new models, but Kyle says not to get his hopes up too soon. Cut to a volcano lair, where Silver Sword is healing up from his recent beatdown by Superboy. Vowing revenge, Silver Sword is egged on by a shadowy female, who also wants to see Superboy dead. Heading back to Kyle and Superboy, we see them in front of a shrine to Pele, the fire goddess. An elderly man places an offering of booze out in front of the shrine, and while walking away, tells the youth that one day Pele will return and remove all modern ills from the island. Ignoring the creepy vibe from the old man, Kyle and the kids sit down to try and do a little sketching. Kyle offers up some suggestions on basic figure work, but Superboy gets easily frustrated and takes off. Kyle muses about how he was like this in his youth and goes back to his sketching, but is soon interrupted by drops of blood falling on the paper. Kyle rings up his uniform, but it's too late, as Silver Sword knocks him out with a morphed hammer fist to the face. Cut back to the lair, where Green Lantern and Superboy are being held over an active volcano by the Silver Sword. The two are then introduced to their captor, a female who claims that she is the returned goddess Pele, and in order to celebrate her return to the island, she plans on a sacrifice, one which involves the lava-based death of Green Lantern and Superboy. That's the synopsis for issue 94. Charlie, why don't you go ahead and uh, hit us up with some notes? All right. Well, <clears throat> page one, as you mentioned, it kind of is like throws you right, literally not only throws you into the middle of the story, but also throws them into the volcano. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought I had missed some pages. Yeah, exactly. This is one of those ones where 
it's got sort of a circular storytelling um, where the ending is basically put up at the front and you see what's going on at the end. But uh, it's a really nice, you know, it's a really nice splash page and it really does mm-hmm. kind of draw you in to the fact that, you know, Superboy and Kyle, Superboy and Green Lantern are <laughs> really in trouble. Now, however, I do have to question this because both these characters can fly. Yes, yes, I and was say that. It is. It does kind of stretch credulity when they're just being tossed into a into a volcano and they can't just go. Oh, hey, wait! I'm just going to sit here and hover. Suck it, mm-hmm. you bad guys! You haven't done anything. So, and, and at the very least, one of them has a nice little ring that it can make some kind of a pillow or something for them to land on, so they don't land in the lava. Exactly. Well, so yeah, it was kind of like I don't get the danger. <laughs> yeah, and, and well. I guess you're just supposed to that they're shocked. And to to be honest, when you're standing near, you know, I I did I did a uh, a Wikipedia search, which is always the best way to find information on the internet. Oh, of and, course. And lava is anywhere from 700 to I think 1500 degrees Fahrenheit, so hmm. it's pretty hot. And maybe you could justify the fact that they're not realizing that, oh, we can fly because they're just so distracted by the heat. Yeah, yeah. possible. So it does do mess with your mind. There, There is your no prize there. Well, thank you. I, I like the art on this page, too. The um, It just looks really cool. And, and um, just the little effects to make you realize that Kyle's boots and arm... Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call them, and the chest part are really shiny is really cool. I like Pel- <clears throat> Pelletier's work. I've been, uh, you know, over the course of the show, I've really uh, enjoyed Pelletier's work. Uh, Daryl Banks is really nice. He's got a very uh, classic style, but mm-hmm. uh, Pelletier's has got a more, I hate to say more cartoony, but it's its not quite as, it, it's obvious a bit more anime influence. But I, mm-hmm. I love the way Pelletier draws his characters, and it's it's really good artwork here, and it's nice to nice to see him uh, get to draw Superboy as well, because Superboy looks cool too. Superboy is, sometimes has a problem, you know, when when people draw him, especially with the haircut. But I think mm-hmm. Pelletier does a good job here. Yes, Pelletier, uh, Gromit, of course, is the best. Oh, no doubt. But uh, Pelletier is really good. That's about it. True, in my opinion. But anyway, um, although Bogdanov did pretty did a pretty good job. Anyway, we're moving along though. <laughs> page, well, not page, but this whole next scene, mm-hmm. I love this scene. Oh yes, this, uh, this this actually had me laughing. The whole double entendre thing, mm-hmm. and you and I and of course you've got the uh, little caption boxes with Kyle's point of view of everything. It's pretty funny, and it seems like it actually is hilarious. And he's just got it, and then at the end she. Slaps him on the ass and says, "Hey, this is going to be a mutually satisfying relationship." Exactly. I, you know, I, I I agree. I love this this scene here, and it's nice to see that Kyle is actually. Yeah, it's nice to see an actual bit of Kyle's real life work. You know, it mm-hmm. it, it allows you to get more into the character if he's constantly. I mean, this is the. This is the Clark Kent part of uh, Kyle's life. This is his normal life where he can do normal things, and you're not always having to see him as Green Lantern. So, I'm I really enjoy this. And yeah, there is a ton of double entendre, and Kyle is especially on page two, that uh, fourth panel there, where she's uh, telling him to uh, 
take that thing out and show me what you do. <laughs> Look on Kyle's face. Is just... <laughs> yes. And, and it's awesome. And th- this is one of the things I think Pelletier does great is his facial expressions. He can get that sort of awkward, uncomfortable feel that uh, <laughs> just is just really displays what's going on in Kyle's mind. Especially. Yes. I love it. It is. Uh, the the I think the only thing is is well, it's hard to remember. Sometimes he he makes Kyle look a little almost too young. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the second panel on page four. Oh yeah. He he actually looks like he it could be Tim Drake. Yeah, it does. And He's uh, so you know, young. I, I'm I'm looking at the hair. It's also looking a bit like Superboy's hair. It looks a bit too shaved on the side. So yeah, yeah. It do, he does look, and because we'll get in the next issue, we'll get a, a definite disti- distinction between uh, Kyle and Superboy. And Kyle will look taller and much more mature than Superboy does. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it's just a Pelletier. And Pelletier's been drawing this guy for a while too, so I, I don't know. It's just, He has a... I don't know if it's the inker. It could be the inker too. Yeah, well, Austin, uh, I haven't had problems with Austin. Uh, I mean, he's a great inker, mm-hmm. and he he, uh, he especially does well with doing the Daryl Banks, but maybe the fact that I don't know if this is his first time inking for Pelletier, so there might just be a little disconnect between the two right off. He does. He They do te- uh, start doing a little better, though. I do know um, once you get that storyline that starts in 100, mm-hmm. uh, there the the t- this team looks really great together. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm really uh, I'm really enjoying the Pelletier stuff, and I'm glad to see that he's uh, kept with the company. And I listen to Fire and Water a lot, and I know they have uh, very positive things to say about Pelletier on the Aquaman book. As well. Oh, he's doing very good on Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving right along, page five. I knew that guy looked familiar, and I'm glad that on page six they point out where he's from, in case you don't know. Uh, basically, Superboy went up against him during uh, Lois and Clark's honeymoon. Oh, okay. To Hawaii. Ah, I see. Yeah. See, I was... I com- forgotten that. It's <laughs> completely unaware. See, uh, I, will, I will readily come out and, and admit it. I wasn't following the Superman titles at the time. For shame. Yes, I know. And that's see, this is why I enjoy having people from the Superman podcast network on here, especially during times like this, so they can <laughs> educate me on this. Uh, yeah. I had no idea that uh, Lois and Clark came to Hawaii, and this makes perfect sense. So and, and it's a neat it's a neat kind of stylized uh, and, and it's very uh very reminiscent or very much what you would think of you would see in Hawaii. It's got a very, Oh yeah. Very much. Yes. But so that's where he's from. I don't, this is, this is what I can tell you. I know he went up against him then. Mm. I I don't know. I can't remember the story off the top of my head because it just kind of dawned on me right as I was getting my computer set up for the chat for our discussion here. But yeah, that's where he comes from. I don't remember there being like, I, oh, I do like, of course, the iron thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, Way too literal. <laughs> that's awesome. I want to say, uh, the, I want to say one thing, uh, and this is, um, my comments. I don't have much knowledge of Superboy aside from what I've seen of him in the, uh, Death and Return of Superman storyline. Mm-hmm. During that part, he always seemed kind of superficial and arrogant. And I like here on, uh, page seven at the top panel, 
he's doing a, a, what I consider to be a very Superman thing. And rather than trying to fight with the, the Minahune or whatever you would call it, he's trying to reason with him. And I, that's a very Superman thing. He knows that this guy is not evil or is not trying to be malicious. And he tries to reason with him. And I, I like the fact that Superboy is now trying to do things that you would associate with Superman. So I, enjoy- Oh yeah. He, the, the kid, uh, Superboy's been through a lot in the last, was it, 47 or so months of his title? 48 if you count the zero issue. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's he's come a long way. He has, they've actually allowed him to mature a little bit. It's been pretty cool. See, that's Between, awesome. Yeah, because like you said, he started off really immature, but he's been through... He had he went through this whole thing with uh, Knockout, where he, at one point Supergirl actually took the S shield from him because he wasn't living up to the standards of it. Uh, and more recently, to this issue, uh, he had gone through this whole genetic trouble where his body started breaking down, and the only way that he was saved was uh, some kind of a transfusion from Roxy. Who, if you don't know who that is, actually she was in the death, the funeral for friend, or not funeral for friend, the Return of Superman stuff. She's uh, Roxy Leach. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she actually, so they're more like brother and sister now, and he's stuck at being about fifteen, sixteen for the rest of his life. Okay. So this is all kind of made him rethink things, and he's kind of maturing. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, the, like I said, this is kind of a a blind spot for me, so I'm glad that you're here to come in and uh, fill that in for me. That helps a lot. Oh, hey, no problem. And, of course, it is a Superboy issue, so they do a very good job of putting the girls in the bikinis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's on page 11. That was another thing I was going to say. Uh, one of the things I love about Pelletier is his, is his women, and he draws some very, very attractive women. Yeah. And most of them have their hair covering half their face, so mm-hmm. he must be a bit, big fan of Jessica Rabbit. That's pretty cool. <laughs> hey, who isn't? Oh, I know. Really? <laughs> no. It, and I like how Kyle does an autograph and starts to write Kyle. <laughs> yes, that I was, was going to really say, cool. well, uh, unlike Superboy, who seems to be kind of in the sort of uh, marketing of himself, Kyle's not one of these people who goes out and you know tries to get autographs or tries to promote himself. So I think it's uh, it's kind of telling that he actually decides initially to sign his name, but he scratches out. I thought that was a little funny sight gag there as well. Yeah, that was really cool. His first autograph. <laughs> um, let's see, moving along. I like how they have the little talk together. It's mm-hmm. really cool. And it kind of brings you up to speed on what stuff's been going on. Obviously, the Justice League has formed by this point. Yes. And I like Kyle using the surfboard to get down to the, those waterfalls. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kyle's constructs are always neat. And, and it's it's very appropriate, the surfboard, especially mm-hmm. in Hawaii and, you know, the, the water and everything. That's a, that's a nice look. Yeah, he, it, I love the subtle uses of the ring. That, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing pointing out what he's doing. There's not a anything about, yeah, you know, this is nice water. I think I'll use a surfboard. It's just, you see it. It's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that. I, I only had a, I only had a little statement of, uh, it kind of shows uh, Superboy's, in, well, not really immaturity, but, you know, the fact that he is a 15-year-old, that uh, on page 14 on that final panel there, you know, 
when uh, Kyle offers in, you know, lessons on how to sketch things, the first thing that comes <laughs> into his mind is, oh, can we do nudes? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, which uh, if you uh, realize if you were listening to the show a few months ago, uh, sketching nudes got Kyle oh. into a lot of trouble. So, uh, oh, yeah. But uh, but I guess Donna's not around anymore because, oh, well. John Byrne wanted her exclusively for the Wonder Woman title, so it's okay. He can yeah. sketch all the nudes he wants now. Of course, and yeah. you know, if I was Kyle, I would have messed with him and like had a nude a nude guy. <laughs> oh yes. Oh but, sure, but we if... can sketch nudes. <laughs> yeah, sure. He didn't specify Superboy. <laughs> you have to be specific, or you're going yeah. to get you're going to have to sketch Wang. Uh. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and then of course bringing us up to the Silver Sword and Pele. Okay. Now, I'm going to have to ask you about Silver Sword. Again, because of my lack of knowledge about the Superboy comics, what is the deal with this Silver Sword character? Okay. Uh, Silver Sword actually came out... Uh, he's from... Not really that early, but he's from back in the uh, Carl Kiesel or Kessel, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Grummet days. Uh, he was a curator at a museum and an archaeologist... And he's also one of those guys that is really big on preserving the Hawaiian culture of the past, which helps make him fit in perfectly with this story. Okay. Um, and let's see, hold on. Uh, I kind of looked this up to help me remember. Uh, he, he's on a secluded beach and he checks out some ex- unexploded ordnance while he's doing some archaeological work. That's not pronounced the proper pronunciation of the word. <laughs> it's hard. But, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it. Anyway, he uh, the ordinance explodes at him, and he gets embedded with this strange metallic stuff, and that's where he gets his powers. It's kind of a, a goop that covers his whole body and puts on these kind of, I guess, ancient Hawaiian culture type clothing, but it can also morph, kind of. Uh, it, it kind of turns him into sort of a like a plastic man. Yeah, I'm getting. I also guess you could say a T1000 sort of feature. Yes, T1000 because that's a bad guy and he's silver. That's even <laughs> better. Uh, yes, he very much is a T1000 kind of guy. So he and of course he can fly and he gives Superboy nothing but headaches. And they've had several battles up, yeah. up at, by this point. And of course Superboy usually wins. Well, they call it a liquid metal. Oh, yeah, that that doesn't sound uh, unoriginal in any way, shape, or form. No, no, not at all. Okay. So that's exactly why he's so big on this Pele, because, of course, Pele would be from ancient Hawaii, Mm -hmm. or old-school Hawaii. And we'll get we'll get more into Pele in the next issue, but you know we'll have some conversation about whether or not this is the reincarnated god Pele, or whether this is just some you know unfortunate metahuman. But uh, we'll get into that. Uh, I'll certain we'll discuss that later. Right. Um, my next note is uh, page 17. Essentially, and again, I guess I can attribute this to the fact that Superboy is young. You know, he showed all that maturity in trying to reason with the, the Menahune, the, the stone golem in the fight. But here where it comes to, you know, just doing simple line drawings and sketching, he just mm-hmm. gets overly frustrated and just pops off and leaves. So, you know, I... I I you know I enjoy the fact that you know he's portrayed as a as a teenager that you know he can at sometimes he can be very mature and very level headed but at other times he's just 
a hot-headed teenager. And I'm oh, yeah. a hot-headed teenager who could, you know, punch a hole through your chest as well. So, you know. And easily break a pencil in his hand. So That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, the, that, that's a good point. It, it is pretty cool. I, I actually thought it was kind of funny just because no matter which version of Superboy's parentage you want to go with, because at this point it's already been revealed that, of course, part of his clonage comes from Superman, and it's insinuated that the other half is uh, Westfield. Mm-hmm. So Westfield, of course, has a temper anyway. So a lot of it is also partially because of that is what I'm guessing. But most of it, I'm sure, is because of the I – know, I know as a kid I would have been ticked off and just walked off because mm-hmm. I couldn't draw this thing. Yeah, Especially well, Kyle's doing a very good job of teaching him. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's kind of neat on this page because uh, it's – in essence, it's a way, you know, it's basically uh, your, you know, your uh, how to draw the Marvel method, you know, or how to draw the Marvel way thing. He's basically telling you, you know, to draw shapes and how to hold your pencil and, you know, not to do this. So it's it's kind of a neat way of, you know, telling how to sketch things. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, the although next... I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, although I have to say that if I was Superboy, I would take off the gloves to draw. Do you think that helps? Uh, well, I uh, yeah, I okay. tend to believe it. Okay. Uh, see, unfortunately, I can't sketch stick figures, so I would have no. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not a, I'm not an awesome artist, but I will say I have dabbled a little bit, and I will say that when I've had anything on my hands, it, it tends to just be a hindrance. Okay. Well, yeah, the gloves may have been a problem. That's probably yeah. what is. We'll just talk it up that he couldn't do it because of the gloves. There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, the next page. Now this, uh, we see as Kyle is drawing the statue of Pele here, we see, uh, from above the uh, classic horror trope of blood dripping on the page. Yeah. This story gets dark real fast. And, uh, (laughs) we see that it's uh, silver sword. Who's basically taken down Superboy. Now is Superboy's invulnerability comparable to Superman's or is it less? Because I'm thinking if silver sword can, punch or hit or do whatever to Superboy that would cause him to bleed. That's either either Superboy is not quite up to the strength as Superman or Silver Sword is just that powerful of a villain. Superboy's is not quite as much as uh, Superman's. Okay, that makes sense. Also, I believe this liquid metals might have some magical property to it that would that would also make sense but also yeah because they it's been shown before that um silver sword has been able to cause superboy to bleed okay well that that completely that completely explains everything well although on the other hand you never actually see superboy bleed after that so yeah that's true (laughs) that is odd he has no not even as so much as a like a a cut or anything. Of course, maybe he heals like Superman. I yeah, don't that's true. That part. We'll give him that. Um, my next note is on page 21. Did you have anything before that? Uh, yeah, actually, page 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, just at that bottom panel, you said how Pelletier was kind of anime-influenced. And look at the eyes on Superboy. Oh, yes. And I will completely agree with you. Although the <laughs> earring is huge, <laughs> the eyes are very 
anime influenced. Yeah, and over on Kyle, you actually see, and you, sometimes you don't see this in the mask. You can uh, kind of see the pupils, you know, that he's staring over to the mm-hmm. left. So that's, uh, that's just the pupils. Yeah, but uh, yes. Uh, now looking at that, y- yeah, uh, that's <laughs> you know, it's almost has... Todd Knock. Todd Knock. Now Knock. Todd Knock. He he did Young Justice. Oh, okay. And a bunch of Spider-Man stuff. Uh, he's very anime-influenced, too, and this is almost his level of big anime eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even notice that, you know, to, you know, taking that into account. But, yeah, now that you mentioned that, yeah, those are some... Yeah, those are some pretty uh, big old <laughs> those Pokemon are some eyes. Pretty epic, girly <laughs> eyes, really. Mm-hmm. I gotta say. Anyway, I'm sorry. Oh, Your oh. note on page 21. Yeah, uh, well, I was just gonna say, speaking of girly... Uh, um, Pele? Yeah. Hello. She is, uh, she's hot. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, literally and figuratively as well. You know, so. Yeah, she is kind of, yeah. Well, well being, obvi- obviously, if she's the, uh, actual Hawaiian goddess, yes, she's the goddess of volcanoes, so, or fire. So, yeah, she would be technically hot. But this, this, again, like I said, it leads us to the end where she, well, actually not she, but, uh, Silver Sword, I think takes and throws our heroes into the uh, lava, mm-hmm. which w- w- when I saw now first Superboy, I think he could handle it. You know, he's, he's a clone or of Superman. He's got a relatively impressive strength. Plus he's got the tactile telekinesis, which I think would shield him some way. So him going to the uh, fire might hurt him a little, but it's not going to kill him. But Kyle, it doesn't look like Kyle has even ringed anything up, and he's mm-hmm. going right into the lava. So, yeah, I'm thinking maybe the costume would survive <laughs> because of the energy, but I'm thinking he wouldn't. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're gonna see just basically, uh, well, like the cover, you're gonna see a suit and the mask floating to the top. <laughs> yep, pretty much. But that's uh, how that, they leave it, though. That was uh, yeah, and that's a you know, it's a good cliffhanger ending that. Uh, <laughs> You know, again, aside from the fact that, you know, hey, both these guys could fly, what was keeping them from doing that? It's a it's a nice cliffhanger ending. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it. The artwork was great in the book and it was just a pretty fun read. So, yeah. And see, the, the difference, too, is uh, with Superboy, uh, I believe he has a problem with like energy based attacks or energy kind of things. Like if he's shot with a laser, I don't think he can deflect that. So. I'm wondering maybe the if the lava itself didn't get him, the heat from it could still. Because like you said, they, he might be, you know, being affected by all that heat could disorient you to not think very clearly. So it's possible that, you know, he probably could have gotten scorched alive even with his telekinesis. Hmm. Wow, that's... We're no prize in the heck out of this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, unless you've got anything else, we'll go ahead and uh, take a little break here. And as soon as we're done with that, a couple of podcast promos, we will get into our next issue, which is Superboy number 47. Yay. Oh, my God. I'm J. David Weeder. I haven't podcasted for 36 hours. I need to make a podcast. I have to do this. Maybe something Golden Age. I need a partner. Golden Age, podcast obsessed. Got it. John's John's Toilets and Toiletries. John, we need to make a new podcast. A new podcast? I haven't podcasted in a whole day. 
I need a new podcast. Well, I've been listening to a lot of David Bowie lately. Let's do Starman and his Golden Age adventures. Ooh, who who was the artist on Starman? What's that Jack Burnley? Yes, we should cover Jack Burnley's run on Adventure Comics and Starman. Okay, I have just the perfect guy because I know another guy who loves Jack Burnley. So let me call Charlie Neymar and see if we can get him on a three-way here. Hi, what's up? Charlie. Charlie. Ah. We need you to do a limited series podcast monthly at starmanobservatory.blogspot.com. Are you available? Uh, Monthly? Well, Starman, that's Jack Burnley, right? Oh, heck yes, I'm available. This podcast is go. The Starman Observatory, covering Starman's Golden Age adventures. Monthly at starmanobservatory.blogspot.com. Dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. (laughs) Look what's happened to you. You're changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon, the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And now, mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands. The Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You bastards can't change the way I can. Got me dying of those powerful cuts on Earth. I've been expecting you. For I am the Thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ralatots, King of Kings, Master of Men. And Lord of the Seven Sons. Fool, you're just a muscular freak. Blind or hulk. Stop! You must not end on the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain him to the drain of all elemental life. So speak, Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witnessed the origins of a legend. The Fantasticast, ffcast.libsyn.com. And we are back. And this time out, I have conned, um, well, no, (laughs) Charlie has kindly offered up the uh, chance to do the uh, review uh, or the uh, synopsis for Superboy number 74. Charlie, go ahead and take it away. Wait, 74? I mean, 47. Crap. Oh, shoo. Good, (laughs) because I was like, uh uh-oh, got the wrong issue here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, yeah, it's 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 all right. It's just backwards. All right. Uh, Superboy number forty-seven had a cover date of January nineteen ninety-eight, surprisingly, uh, and came out just a week after the Green Lantern issue, uh, November twelfth, nineteen ninety-seven, and had a cover price of one dollar ninety-five cents U.S. and two seventy-five Canada. The title of this issue is Idol Worship Part Two, which I'm sure comes to a sh- as a shock to most people. Uh, the uh, Ron Mars was the writer. Jorge, is that Jorge? 
No, Let's George, see. George Genty. George, George Genty. Yeah. We'll go with that. Pencils, Doug Hazelwood, inks, Starkings and Comic Craft, letters, Bud Setzer, colors, Marine McTeague, assistant, and Mike, oh, McEv, McEvany, McEvany, McEvany. Yep. Uh, we'll go with that. Sweating from the heat. Now, our story begins with a non-related subplot that deals with Double X, the uh, Superboy's, I guess you could call him guardian kind ah. of person from the Cadmus Project. He's nervous because he's about to talk on, to the, on the phone with a woman that he met at the beach the previous issue. And, you know, he's freaking out because like, apparently he's never talked to a woman before. Uh, we then cut to the volcano and see a green diving bell construct emerge from the lava. And as the heroes leave the diving bell, because I almost used Emerge, but Emerge twice was just crazy, we learned that Superboy had used his tactile telekinesis to hold back the lava. So I guess my whole theory from last time was wrong. Until GL could use his ring to create the diving bell. At the top of the volcano, the heroes wonder where Pele, Pele and Silver Sword went, and whether or not Pele is really Hawaii's fire goddess. Superboy isn't so sure, but with all the weird stuff he's seen in Hawaii, it might be possible. In the city of, I'm going to call it Hilo, because I'm not sure. Pele and Silver, thank you. Pele and Silver Sword are walking down the middle of the street, but only the old man from Part One, who we kind of missed on. But yeah, it's an old man that was upset at Green Lantern and actually Kyle at that point. Kyle and Superboy for not caring about Hawaii's history. This is this man believes that this really is Pele and he's the only one. Pele announces that she plans to reclaim Hawaii and get rid of the false idols such as Superboy and his friend, at which point Superboy's friend, who we call Green Lantern, contains Pele and Silver Sword, Sword? Silver Sword, whatever, in a cage construct. Then she decides to teach everyone not to doubt her by causing a large geyser of lava to erupt from the ground. So, GL works to contain the lava while Superboy flies around and saves everybody. Silver Sword wonders if Pele might want to bring an end to her display before things get out of hand, but she says that this is proof of her godhood and she won't have it diminished. She also points out that Superboy and GL haven't escaped their sacrifice, just elated. While GL uses a pipe construct to send the lava into the nearby harbor, Pele attacks them both from behind, sending them also into the water. Superboy tries to reason with her since they are now trying to save the people, but Pele states that Hawaii and its people are hers to do with as she pleases, and what would please her right now is the death of our heroes. Now, this kind of is the last straw for Silver Sword, and he's had enough with her and attacks Pele, saying that she's not the real Pele because the real Pele could never be so petty and unfeeling. Believing his usefulness to be over, Pele bathes him in a blast of lava. GL stops her by wrapping some construct chains around her neck, but Superboy tells him to check on Silver Sword while he takes care of Pele. Pele sends some lava blasts to Superboy, destroying his jacket and producing that lovely smell of burning leather. And after Superboy punches her a few times, he offers to help her find a way to fit in. But she doesn't want help. Instead, she allows herself to fall into the lava pit she had created earlier. While attempting to save her, Superboy almost falls again, even though he can fly. But GL saves him with a couple of angelic constructs. 
Back at Pele's shrine, Superboy's drawing of the statue is coming along very well. We learn that Superboy is being blamed for getting rid of Pele and that since Tana isn't around anymore, his side of the story will never get told. Although Silver Sword will vouch for him, his reputation isn't exactly untarnished, so that probably won't be much help. So Kyle assures him that everything will get better because he's in paradise, right? And now that he has everything he needs for his art job, Kyle changes back to Green Lantern and flies home, leaving Superboy feeling bummed. And that is how they end the issue. Yeah, this was kind of... It's kind of a downer issue for Superboy. I actually feel really bad for him because he really was not to blame in any way, shape, or form for this, but unfortunately because, you know, because all of this sort of fell on his watch, you know, people are putting the blame on him. So this is kind of a really downer ending to this issue. And uh, it's, it's surprising because, you know, when I think of Superboy, I think kind of uplifting, fun, uh, happy go lucky. And to see this kind of drama in the book, you know, really is not uncommon, but it's just really impressive to see, especially since I didn't know the kind of, uh, writing that was going on with it but i really enjoyed this yeah it was a great issue mm-hmm. uh, and also i didn't know that uh see i was under the impression that uh carl kiesel and uh grumman and hazelwood were on the book for a pretty long time but i had no idea that ron mars was writing this story too so it's nice that you know we get mars who's uh been writing green lantern for like the past oh couple of years you know uh writing this so it fits together well and the characters actually seem to work out pretty well Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kiesel and Grummet uh, stayed on until like the somewhere in the twenties, I think, is when okay. they left. And then Ron Mars basically was the writer from there up until uh, like this might have been one of his last issues. They had a couple issues written by like Barbara Kessel, mm-hmm. I think. And then fifty is where Carl and Tom came back. And Carl stuck around, I want to say, until about 70 to 75, somewhere in there. And um, and then, like, Joe Kelly took over for a while. And then after Our Worlds at War, it was, I want to say, Jimmy Palmiotti and Dan DiDio hmm. wrote, the, wrote up until the last issue, which was 100. So let me ask you this, because I know... Um... This is the same Superboy who would eventually become the Connor Kent Superboy. Am I correct in thinking that? You are correct. Okay. Yes. See, because all throughout this issue, I had, since he was never named Connor, I always wanted to call him that, but I didn't know if he was actually called that at the time, so if I would be out of place in calling him in at this time. He, uh, basically the way that was, was, uh, right before Carl Kiesel left the second time, uh, he had Superboy go to Superman's fortress and learn some stuff about Krypton. And at that point, Superman gave him the Kryptonian name Con-El. Okay. And then he was Con for from there up until the end of his series. Uh, once once his series ended, the, you know he was in uh, Young Justice for a little bit still, and th- all basically all throughout Young Justice he was Con, just K-O-N. Okay. And then when when Jeff Johns started up Superboy, or I'm sorry, started up Teen Titans. Uh, actually, let me try that again. 
at the end of the of issue 100 of Superboy, uh, Superboy goes to Smallville and moves in with the Kents. At that point, he they give him the name Connor Kent. Okay. And that and uh, so then that's where that starts. Basically, I th- I want to say that might have started there. It, that the name might not have shown up until Teen Titans number one by Jeff Johns. I, I want to say that maybe he just they finished the issue issue 100 with him saying you're gonna live here now. Okay. And but, was it yeah. was it at that time that they modified his costume from this to the uh, more. Uh, well, we want to say t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, the t-shirt and jeans things. Or were, did he? Keep yes. This? Okay. He had he has this until uh, like Joe Kelly comes on. Okay. And then when Joe Kelly comes on, they they change they tweak it a little. His he gets like this red jacket, and it it's supposed to be a more modernizing version. It it I guess it's more modern. Uh, it's not the t-shirt and jeans yet though. Okay. He doesn't get t-shirt and jeans until Teen Titans number one. Okay, well that that explains, and it it makes sense because this is this costume is very of its time. It does have a very '90s mm-hmm. feel, especially with you know it does have the leg strap still going with it. It's oh, got yeah. a very, it, it's got the like I said, it's got a very '90s feel to it. But it, it is very unique, and it it definitely defines him. And going from this to the the black shirt and the jeans also sort of defines Superboy from that that point in time as well. So I'm that I'm yes. that's great that I get to find out again, Charlie, yeah, he, thank uh, you for coming on and let me know, <laughs> you know, schooling no me on this stuff. I appreciate it. He also loses the bowl cut when he gets his second costume. Well, that's, that's good because the, <laughs> the bowl cut would, I, I think Guy Gardner would even, you know, have something to say about yeah. the embarrassing look of this bowl cut. Well, but. I, I will say this is uh, this issue came out in 1998. Mm-hmm. The kids got a bowl cut an earring, the leather jacket is probably about the only thing that's still modern of his costume. Mm-hmm. And even by the, by 98, they weren't doing the leather jacket stuff anymore. Because when he started up in 93, everyone, even the Avengers, had leather jackets. Mm-hmm. Oh, so <laughs> please don't remind me of the leather jacket <laughs> Avengers. Oh, yeah. that was so, a rough time. While, most, while a lot of uh, guys have had updated their costume by this point. Superboy was still in this outfit. And I know that by the time Grummet and uh, Kiesel came back, I was hoping that they would update the costume, but they didn't do it. And so, yeah. Well, maybe it's, it was just, you know, a style that defined the character. So they decided to keep with it rather than make any radical changes at the time. Yeah. Possibly. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, move into notes. Uh, We'll go ahead and start with the cover. I want to say, I have always been a fan of Grummet and Hazelwood, and this is just a beautiful cover. They've got the characters down, right? It's a dynamic pose. The The background with the, the, the fire from the lava looks awesome. Uh, yes, and, and it makes the green construct stand out. Mm-hmm. And, and you can even see, I just noticed this at the bottom, that you can see uh, Superboy using some of his... Uh, uh, TK power there, that sort of white foamy thing come out of his hand. So yeah. that's kind of cool there. It was either that or he's cleaning off the construct. I can't <laughs> tell. Yeah, he I might, might be mopping glowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not completely sure what he's using it on. Maybe it's to keep them on it. I don't know. Uh, possibly. It's kind of weird. But it's it's a great it's a great cover. And like I said, yeah. anytime you can get Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood to draw anything, you're gonna get gold. 
Oh yeah, you know they threw the cover to the Green Lantern issue too. Yes, I yeah, we failed to mention that as well. And see that one, I hate to say it wasn't as dynamic as this as this one. It was a nice looking cover. It was mm-hmm. very artistic, but it was just the jacket and the mask floating in the uh, lava. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's nowhere near as cool. I'm just I was just pointing out. Yeah, he he they actually got him to draw that one too. Well, that's that's nice. Yeah, like I said, Grummet and Hazelwood. Anytime you can have them drawing anything in superhero yes. comics. Go I on. missed them together. They have not worked together since their final issue on this book. That's disappointing. And when Gromit came back, Hazelwood left. It was also bad timing. I, th- I want to say Hazelwood stays until like 49-ish, I think. Mm-hmm. And then um, 50 is when Kiesel and Gremmett come back and Kiesel starts off as, as Gremmett's inker because they were trying to make it give it more of a Kirby-esque look to it. Okay. Uh, so And then they have some other inkers because Kiesel couldn't maintain the schedule, I guess. And uh, But Hazelwood does not ink uh, Gremmett again. And it's really sad because they are a great team. Oh, yes. I mean, the, the cover is just beautiful. The line <laughs> is great. The, the character, there's real definition in the face, especially the eyebrows of, of Connor here, or Superboy here. And the, they've got a lot of nice uh, uh, line work on the mask as well. The inking really looks good. And, and the definition on them, the, the musculature of both uh, Kyle's physique and, Con- and Superboy's as well. I keep wanting to call him. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he's not Connor yet, but I keep no. calling him. Just a little early. Yeah. Like, like a couple of years. Yeah, like 10 years, but that's all right. Oh, well. Five years, whatever. Something like Five-year timeline. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Thankfully, we're not there yet. Um, I was going to say, this again is going to be me going, uh, I know who Double X is, and I know this is, uh, uh, is this Roxy as well? Yeah, that's Roxy. Okay. And I know that they're associated with the Superboy uh, mythos, but what's going on with this? Do you have any... All, can you all I can tell you is Double uh, X was a Cadmus was a is a DN alien from the Cadmus Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been around in the Superman mythos. Actually, he showed up first uh, way back when Kirby was on with um, on on Jimmy Olsen. Okay. Uh, and then of course they brought him back post Crisis when they introduced the Cadmus Project again in Superman Annual number two, I believe. Okay. Uh, so he's been around for a long time. And when, right after the return of Superman, when it was decided that Superboy was going to go to Hawaii, they uh, sent Double X along with him to kind of keep an eye on him. Not really to, well, sort of as a mentor, but mostly to keep an eye on him so that he doesn't do anything to embarrass or tick off the Cadmus project makes sense oh yeah uh so he so he's kind of his almost kind of his guardian uh part of the reason that superboy goes to hawaii is because of what's his name rex leach yes who is his basically his promoter roxy is his daughter and uh it started off that she had a a bit of a crush on Superboy and she kind of competed with Tana Moon for his affection, but he always preferred Tana over Roxy. Uh, but like I said, she, because of uh, sacrificing some of her 
I don't remember if it was blood or plasma or what. Uh, she's kind of the reason the Superboy didn't die uh, a few issues earlier. So they're more like brother and sister now. Okay. As such, they all live together kind of in a at a house in Hawaii. And since they all live together, that's why that they're hanging out at the house. And apparently Double X makes a really good chili. Mm. I don't know. Alien chili might be kind of nice. I wonder if it's pretty spicy. Yeah, well, you never know. He's got to kiss the cook uh, apron on, <laughs> so that always that's always a plus. Exactly. Um, my next note's on page four, and we kind of get an explanation for why you know Kyle isn't basically just a, a well, he's not a skeleton and you know the ring construct costume uh, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Superboy covered him with the tactile telekinesis, and then he ringed up the diving bell to get him out of there. Because, like I said, you know, uh, anywhere from 700 to 1200 degrees is the temperature of molten lava. And even yeah. if you're not in the lava, it, you know, they're right above it. the The radiant heat from that has got to be just just think about it. <laughs> if you've been outside and it's a hundred degrees outside. You know, even the radiant heat just above that, you've got to think, oh, three times that. Yeah, that's got to be a completely unbearable. So, yeah, the, the thank goodness Superboy was there to to cover for Kyle. Otherwise, <laughs> this would have and, been a really short issue. And as you can see, if you look close enough, Superboy is sweating. So, yeah, the heat is getting to him, too. You were right. I did not notice that. Yeah, the I wouldn't think that Superboy would sweat, but yeah, there you go. I was going to comment on the next page, on page five, panel uh-huh. two. This is a good example of Genty, I guess his name is. I, I, I know he's drawn some issues before that I've looked at, but he does a yeah. great job of defining the difference between Superboy and Kyle. In this panel, you can really tell Kyle uh-huh. looks like you know, a 20-something adult, and Superboy looks like a 15-year-old kid. And, you know, it's yeah. it's really great because a lot of times you'll get artists who who just can't quite get it right. And the character who's supposed to be youthful will just look like a a, a, a normal man shrunk down like 20 percent. Mm-hmm. So uh, his features look smaller. His features look like a child. So I like that uh, Genty is able to do that and pass that off. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And Grummet's the only one that can get the uh, shaved head portion of Superboy's hair correct. Mm-hmm. Everyone else just kind of makes X's, and he's actually puts in the hair. I do think it's interesting that um, not only did Superboy's jacket not burn up in the lava, but the glasses didn't melt. So that's always cool. Well, it looks like... Uh, no, uh, the, see, the thing is, I noticed this here. He says he always carries a spare pair of shades on this, on this page five. Uh, uh, panel three, he's the first comment. He says that he had to replace his glasses. So th- I thought that was kind of odd that he lost his glasses, but he didn't lose the jacket. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the TK was uh, protecting his jacket as well. So there you go. There you go. Like, well, no, it doesn't work with Superman. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the next page on page six. Yes. Okay. We we mentioned before that Pele's kind of smoking. She doesn't look quite as hot as she did in the Green Lantern issue, but she does look like a good stiff wind will cause her to fall apart. I mean, she looks like <laughs> ash. That's true. Dude. And I am saying ash. 
Yes. So there's no... There is an H after that. Yeah. Yes. 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 Her appearance is much darker. Uh, she does look... She does have, a, you know, in the previous issue, she did have a more... I guess she had more brown in her color, in her coloring. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she in in the previous issue, she looked more like a very tanned, very fit woman. But now she has that sort of otherworldly look, especially I think the red glowing eyes. And they're not the red glowy eyes of anger, thankfully. But <laughs> no, they are no. the red glowy eyes she has. So it gives her a very otherworldly, very sort of like volcanic rock look. Uh-huh. She's kind of got uh, Martian eyes. Mm, uh, yeah, that that works. That's better than the red glowy eyes of anger thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there is a person on there on that uh, page who does comment that yes, she is hot, and yeah, still she's drawn pretty nice. So I can't I can't uh, disagree <laughs> with him there. Oh, I like that. I just realized that she's hot, and they're right in front of a store called Etc. Oh, bored. <laughs> Sorry, I had to point that out. Nice. It's actually fun looking at some of the stores in the back. Uh, they don't always do it, but Comic Craft is very good about filling in a lot of the spaces. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things I was going to comment here. We'll get to a splash page where there's just a ton of background stuff. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I've been doing other books uh, recently on the uh, Marvel side. Now they're 80s books, and they deal with a trucker who has a metal plate in his head it allows him to receive cb signals not trying to promote my own stuff but oh he's just one of them there guys mm-hmm. and yeah. uh the uh, the background art in that is minimal at best and non-existent <laughs> at at normal <laughs> levels so to see the background uh stuff here is just great um i do find it uh funny that hawaii has their own version of barney fife here on page seven <laughs> This police officer is just the most ineffectual person I think you've I've seen in comics of recent times. So, lady, the only turning you're gonna get done around here is your turning around. I'm sorry, that's a terrible. <laughs> Actually, that that's a terrible. Good. That's. Uh, uh, and he tries to just kind of turn her around and make her walk away, and then she just goes, "Oh yeah, well look at this." Yep. I got fire in my hand. What you gonna do about that? And see, this is one of the things where I'm wondering, you know, obviously she has some sort of power, but you kind of wonder, is this a metahuman thing? Is she just a misunderstood metahuman or is she actually a reincarnated goddess? Because, you know, throughout the issue, you've by the end of the issue, you kind of get the idea that she's had some tragedy in your life or she's had some negativity in your life. And this is causing her to, I, I hate to say, to act out. But uh, you kind of wonder whether or not this is an actual reincarnated goddess, because obviously we had, you know, in the previous issue, these walking stone golem type things, these menahune. So we've got weird mystical things going on. So you're kind of it's kind of left up to the reader to figure out whether or not it's uh, just your typical metahuman or whether or not it's a uh, version of a deity. So it's kind of neat. They never specifically really answer the question either. Mm-hmm. The closest is when she's, uh, well, we're jumping way ahead, but the closest we get is when she's pointing out that it always ends up the same. At first, it's fine, but then something goes wrong. Everyone thinks I'm a freak and makes me go away. So obviously, she's done this before, and they have said that she's been around before, so I'm, I don't know. So, well, and that's, that's what's nice about it. I, I like that they allow the reader to make up their own decision. They're not saying, 
this is reincarnated deity or this is that they're they're allowing the reader to to use their own mental capabilities if i could get that word out and figure <laughs> it out for themselves which is nice because a lot of times comics tend to like to spell things out for people and i'm i would much rather have a comic leave things open to allow you try and figure out things for yourself so you can't i can't say archaeological and <laughs> you can't say capabilities yes <laughs> together yeah. we will completely mangle the human mind the this is language. this is what happens when you live in oklahoma folks yeah it's it's an slowly erodes your ability to speak it it truly truly does it's <laughs> it's disappointing yeah. Um, I really don't have any uh, notes until till page Two eleven. Page okay. I, I, I would like to point out, though. Yes. Uh, as much as um, with when we've since we've been talking about the art, and I don't know if this is Gianti, Gianti, mm-hmm. or if this is Hazelwood, because I know he did this very well when he was inking over Grummet, but. The S symbol is like perf- almost perfect every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at it on this uh, page ten as he's flying in. The, it looks great, and especially uh, especially when uh, a couple pages back on page eight, where he's uh, floating over and, and uh, Green Lantern is putting the two characters in the cage construct. Mm-hmm. It really looks nice. Oh yeah, it looks. Uh, let's see which page was it that I noticed it really good. Maybe page nine or uh, oh, it was a little later. Uh, uh, page nineteen. Okay. So we'll get to it. Okay, no problem. We'll point but, that. Uh, out. He's, but yeah, it looks beautiful. Anyway, I don't know. The the one thing that that always gets me is with an artist is it doesn't matter how good the artist is. I want I have this thing where I like the S shield to look at least somewhat decent. Mm-hmm. And some artists can do it. Some artists can't do it to save their lives. And I, like I said, I don't know if this is Jainty or Hazelwood, but who, whoever is responsible for the goodness of this S, they did a good job. Well, and he's even getting the uh, S shield on his jacket done pretty well. And that's something that, you know, mm-hmm. since it's just one color, it's uh, it would be easy to sort of slough off on that. But it, it looks good as well. Um, the thing I was going to comment again on, on uh, page 11 is the way that the two heroes work together. You know, Kyle's working to try and contain the lava with constructs of, you know, bulldozers and try to redirect it while Superboy's flying in and rescuing the people. And mm-hmm. again, uh, again, it's, it's a credit to Superboy that he's doing the things that I think it's, you'd more associate with Superman. So I'm glad to see, you know, f- from my point, from my point of view, it's just a radical departure from the last time I seen him. I haven't read him through this book, but I'm liking the fact that Superboy is essentially he, and maybe it's maybe it's them trying to sort of bring back the sort of Silver Age and Bronze Age ideal of Superboy, where Superboy was doing things as a Superman as a boy. So I, maybe that's just me and my perception of it. But I like I like the way Superboy is. Uh, helping out the individuals here. Uh, but that that leads us to the two-page splash. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, it also is pretty interesting to, depending on how you want to look at it, especially since, it, well, I guess partially it's because it is a Superboy issue. But Kyle isn't, it's just kind of going along with it for one thing, which is cool. Uh, 
you know, because, you know, this is Superboy's hometown, he, you know, let him be the one in charge kind of thing. But also, uh, it's just, he's basically, dis- uh, it's, I, I, how do I want to say this? I don't know if it's conscience, conscious or not, but it's almost like he's deferring to the one with the S-Shield, mm-hmm. like he would with the Justice League. And Superboy's doing a darn good job of <laughs> yeah, he's... figuring it out. Well, yeah, and I, that that's one thing that's I'm glad you pointed that out because Superboy is taking charge in this. And you would think that Kyle being the older person, being more mature and, you know, well, not necessarily having more experience, but uh, just having more life experience. You would think that he would be the one who would be directing the way things are going. But it's actually Superboy who's doing this. And it may be. It may be to the point that this is Superboy's book and you want to have Superboy shine, but I put it more on the fact that Superboy knows what's going on and he's a uh, capable and intelligent uh, hero and he's able to actually figure out what needs to be done to minimize the damage and save as many people as possible. Exactly. Of course, well, to be fair, though, page 11, Green Lantern does say, I'll try to contain it, you get the people out of here. Mm -hmm. But other than that, Superboy's kind of been calling the shots the whole time. Mm-hmm. But that leads us to the uh, page 12 and 13, this beautiful, just this wonderful is... two-page splash. And, you know, again, uh, Superboy is drawn. He looks like a kid, and uh, Genty, I think, is doing really good. He, Yeah, the hair looks a little wonky, but uh, Superboy looks good as he's rescuing the uh, old man who thought uh, Pele, who was uh, worshipping Pele. But, oh, goodness just the the line work and the definition and in the buildings and the street as it's being torn up and they even uh they even give it the the little bit of distortion as if you're looking at it in like a panoramic view Mm -hmm. yeah you can see kind of on the on the edges uh, at the top the restaurant is kind of the restaurant sign up there is kind of curved in that you kind of sort of uh, not really a fisheye lens but it it looks beautiful and (laughs) It's a very clever way. Kyle is uh, using the ring construct to create a sort of hole in the ground to sort of uh, direct Smother. the flow of lava. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous two-page. Speech. And we were we were mentioning the background stuff. Moe's something. That would be Marine Matigue. She had the nickname of Moe for some reason. Okay. And then uh, Sal's... I'm guessing that's supposed to be Sal's Bistro. Uh, some of these other issues where uh, that are counting down till we get to issue number 50 uh, has had Sal Buscema on the artwork. Okay, well, that makes sense. So that's why that's his. And that's about the only names I'm seeing on the background here. There's yeah, but... something with the sushi place, but I can't tell what that's supposed to be. Yeah, there's... Yeah, it looks like... Well, it looks like camera. Camera sushi. Maybe. <laughs> maybe well, they... I don't know. I've never been to Hawaii. Maybe they sell cameras and sushi in the same places. I, I don't you know. never know. Uh. Could be. I'll give them that. Um, I was going to say, after this, uh, page 14, mm-hmm. we kind of get Silver Sword getting the kind of uh, Darth Vader vibe going on, where he's... He's looking at uh, Pele and going, you know, should you really be doing this? And, you know, I, I just got, you know, and it's maybe it's because my love of Empire, or Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. The idea of Silver Sword doubting 
the leadership of this person who's doing these horrible things. And we see eventually, you know, the kind of turn, the very Vader-esque type turn that Silver Sword does on uh, Pele here. So, yeah, I, I like that coming in here. And look, and if you notice very carefully on these next few pages, there is no point that anyone came up and threw a no in there <laughs> with his turn. Oh, thankfully for that. Yep. Uh, again, uh, the next page we have, uh, page 15, like you mentioned in your synopsis, Kyle's using a ring construct to try and shunt the lava into the, into the water, you know, hopefully avoiding all the, all the ships in the harbor, which is nice, but you know, it, it just it, looks like a giant, giant straw coming out of <laughs> some alleyway. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I like it. But, uh, then on page 16, we get the, uh, not really the betrayal, but silver sword just going, no, this is wrong. And, uh, I do, I do kind of find it amusing that, uh, silver sword has the initials SS and he's a character who's, uh, coded in silver, which is, um, kind of like a, a Marvel character that has the initials of SS and is coded in silver. And oddly enough was written quite a bit by Ron Mars. So, uh, I think that's a, an interesting coincidence, but you know, coincidence nonetheless. Hmm. Yeah. If he, if he had created silver sword, then I would totally be with that. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, Sorry. uh, yeah, no, he, he basically, uh, tries to take out Pele afterwards and, you know, he gets burned to a crisp with lava. Ah, that's, yeah, it's almost. I'm almost wondering if the next page, when you see him on the ground, kind of partially melted, if there's supposed to be some miscoloring and you're supposed to actually see some of the guy underneath the metal. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm thinking as well, because it looks like the the metal is melted. It's The coloring isn't very clear. I mean, I, I, I yeah, it does look like there should be some of the metal melted off him and they're being skinned there. But yeah, it doesn't really, because there's a puddle of something underneath him as well. Yeah. Of course, of course it's uh, underneath his butt. So, you know, it could be a puddle uh, of something else as well. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I went there. <laughs> you sure did, man. <laughs> um, uh. I was going to say uh, on that same page in the panel just before it, Superboy is not afraid to punch a chick in the face. Yeah, I was Holy just about cow. to say, he's very equal opportunity. I mean, now, Not now, a problem. now throughout the, you know, the, throughout the fight, again, he was trying to reason with her. He was trying to, you know, talk her down, but, you know, push came to shove and it's like, okay, I'm taking you out. Wham. Whack, actually. <laughs> so. Yep. And then with thud, wood and chud. Yeah. He, he does not, uh, he, he does not pull any punches. So to, so to speak, but yeah, he, he takes her down, but this, this leads us to, you know, after after she's been taken down, he goes back to trying to reason with her. He's he's he realizes that even though she was a threat, maybe he can reason with her and try and talk her into some sort of sanity. And again, this is the kind of this is the kind of uh, sort of personality that I would see in Superman. And the fact that it's being portrayed here in Superboy just makes me think that the the character has really grown and is really coming into 
the idea of being a part of this Superman mythology. And I, I, I really enjoy the fact that he's not trying to take her out. He's trying to reason with her. This is, this is just great. And it's pretty cool too. Cause if you think about it, uh, and it's in stuff that you covered even, um, that didn't come out nice at all. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in stuff that you've covered on this show, Kyle had to learn that from Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And here Superboy has it without having to be kind of, well, technically he's been taught, but, you know, without having to have it shoved down his throat like Captain Marvel did. Mm-hmm. And it's... Although it is also kind of interesting that it's two kid heroes <laughs> yeah. that do the talking. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's I, I think it's a testament to, especially in Superboy, it's a testament to, and I don't want to say that it's genetic, but I think it's just kind of in the makeup and the idea of Superman that allows him to be this sort of noble character and to be willing to forgive these uh, things that uh, this person Pele has done. So I, I, I enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, he. And I think also part of it, Superboy really understands the importance of that S symbol on his chest. And he understands what it means to have it on so he knows there's a certain way you need to behave when you're wearing it. So I'm sure that's helping it too. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Whatever the reason, he's doing a good job. Yes. And we're yeah. now on page 19 where he's got that awesome looking S symbol on his chest. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's that is just yeah, it, it, it's perfect. It looks really amazing. But but we get to we get to this page and she's you know she's saying you know I I've done this before. It's better this way. Maybe I deserve this way. I deserve to be alone. It's it's left to you to believe whether or not she's a reincarnated god or whether or not this is just some sort of metahuman that uh, just popped up and has uh, pyrokinetic powers or whatever. And it's a really tragic end. And it's, uh, you know, for a funny book about, you know, a kind of fun loving character like Superboy to have this sort of dramatic ending is just a kind of a punch in the gut. Yeah, totally. And, and the, and the thing is, is, Depend, it depends on how you feel about the story as to whether or not you think she survived. If she really is Pele, then falling in lava shouldn't kill her. Mm-hmm. But if she's not, this could be suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 like I said, it gives you a lot to think about. And that's uh, something that sometimes you don't get that much in comics. You know, comic books are kind of thought as a sort of throwaway juvenile media. But when you get these stories that give you a lot of uh, grist to chew on, it's really nice, you know, to see that, to see that come in, in the books. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously Superboy doesn't think that she is Pele cause he's trying to save her. Mm-hmm. After, you know, after that uh, we get the uh, Kyle and Superboy drawing and Superboy's kind of, I guess mellowed, which is which is nice because now he's not snapping pencils. So <laughs> he's doing a really good job too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a, got that for a beginner. Exactly. I mean, I I guarantee if I were to draw that, it would look that good. So no, mine wouldn't either. But uh, it ends on on such a downer. 
you know, people are, are, you know, we get the idea that people are blaming Superboy for all this going on. And you get in the, on the final pound here of Superboy just being kind of dejected with it all. I mean, Kyle's off to, you know, get, you know, his, you know, get uncomfortable touches from his, you know, new uh, agent. <laughs> but uh, Superboy is going to have to deal with all this fallout and now all this negativity. And, you know, his, uh, I guess his former girlfriend, you know, not around to talk with. So it's it, it ends on kind of a downer. And that's just that's surprising in an issue that uh, is based on a character at, that I kind of always perceived to be a sort of fun loving you know, just kind of wacky type person. This is a surprising end to an issue that I thought would have been really sort of fun and jaunty and just uh, a, a good read. And it, it surprises me how dramatic it was. So this this kind of changes my perception of, of the Superboy title. So I, I enjoyed the heck out of this. Yeah, it's they have some pretty good somber moments. It's pretty awesome. Especially right around this time now, and then soon he's going to disappear, and then come back for the fiftieth. Wow, I may have to start. I may have to go scour. You see, see the problem here is in Oklahoma. <clears throat> we don't have that great of a back issue lot, and if yeah. we do have back issues, because I I listened to Mike on views and him talking about going to these one day comic shows and picking mm-hmm. up comics out of fifty cent bins. I have not seen a 50 cent bin in any comic book store that I've been in in Oklahoma anywhere. So that's now the best I've seen is the dollar, the dollar boxes at uh, vintage stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty much as well. And most of that stuff is well, it's it, it's probably what Professor Allen would be finding in the quarter bins. So yeah, yeah, most a lot of it is uh, 90s X Men stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have discovered. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. That's that's what a lot of the stuff is. Yeah, but oh, and yeah. for for people that don't know, since we're Oklahomans and they don't have them all over the place, Vintage Stock's a really cool place. As you can tell by the type, by the name of it, it's uh basically a store that they have. Well, they have new stuff too, mm-hmm. but they also specialize in older stuff. You can get video games for every almost every video game system imaginable, going all the way back to like the Atari twenty six hundred and such. Um, you can get movies, DVDs, they even have some videotapes, uh, action figures of all kinds from current stuff to older stuff. And, of course, they have comics and they do have back issues. But since there aren't that many comics in, comic shops in and around the Oklahoma area, uh, they're not exactly the cheapest. Yeah, that's true. A lot of their... A lot of their, you know, recent stuff that's bagged and all that still runs mm-hmm. anywhere from three to five dollars an issue, which is mm-hmm. disappointing because I understand them wanting to mark it up and you know the collectible value and the them having to bag it and everything, but five bucks for you know even for recent issues is just ridiculous. But uh, I will completely agree with that. Yes, but um. Yeah, these were two great issues, and Charlie, I am just pleased as all get out that I was able to talk to you and have you on for this show. Oh, well, thank you again for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I'm glad to finally have had a chance to get to, ch- get a, get to chat with you. 
Well, this is I agree. I, I, despite the fact that we're both from Oklahoma and we can't speak the English language, you know, <laughs> it, we got a chance to chat in our own sort of uh, Oklahoma dialect. Yeah, yeah, we know what we're talking about, even though <laughs> anyone else might not. <laughs> uh, Charlie, why don't we go ahead and let you plug uh, some of the places that people can find you on the internet? Okay, well, uh, currently I am on. Let's see, I do Superman of the Bronze Age, which is my show about. Believe it or not, Superman in the Bronze Age. Not burying the lead at all there. Nope, nope, nope. It's pretty much right there. Uh, basically, uh, if it's a Superman comic from between 1970 and 1986, I will probably be talking about it. And uh, I do that every other week at supermaninthebronzeage.com. And that show also has a backup feature. Uh, from J. David Weeder. He's currently, as we are recording it, when does this come out? Uh, this will come out, oh, the, I think this will come out right around Christmas. Okay. Uh, as we were recording this, he's just finished his Superboy feature, his Superboy backup feature, and is going to be starting his new backup feature where he'll be covering issues of DC Comics Presents. Mm, so nice. we're looking forward to some of that. Uh, and again, that's at supermanandthebronzeage.com. And show postings are also available at supermanpodcastnetwork.com, which I highly recommend you check out because we cover just about every aspect of Superman from his Golden Age appearance all the way to the pre- – well, not right to the present anymore, but just about everything, including Steel and Supergirl. Mm-hmm. There might even – I don't think there's a super, well, there is a Superboy podcast, but it's not about this version of Superboy. Uh, so check that out. And you can also see show postings at supermanhomepage.com, which is, of course, the go-to place for anything Superman. Uh, I also do a show with John Wilson and J. David Weeder called Starman Observatory, where we're looking at every adventure of the Golden Age, uh, Starman during the Golden Age. Uh, and that can be found at the starmanobservatory.blogspot.com. That's a monthly podcast. And so far we've had a whopping two episodes come out. I'm looking forward to more of them. And I'm also looking forward to more oh. innuendos about uh, rod usage in them. That's because that's always <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's I think that's going to be our shtick. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the drinking kind of... game, the drinking game of take a drink every time uh, there's an innuendo about uh, Starman using his rod will uh, probably become the most popular drinking game on the internet. So oh, yeah. yeah, and, and the way we're going, uh, usually most people can recover from, from it by the time the next issue uh, episode comes out. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> we did miss November, but that's just because with the holiday, we just still couldn't. Believe it or not, a monthly, comic, a monthly podcast, and we still couldn't get together because uh, of schedules. So, yeah. No, that's not a problem. I'm... I'm surprised I'm able to get out a podcast weekly. So yeah, I cannot tell you how um, much not sympathy um, kudos I want to give you for being able to do that because I just about killed myself trying to do two biweekly podcasts that ended up coming out. Basically I was doing weekly shows and you being able to do a weekly show is awesome and well done. Well, thank you. It, it does it does help that I have a specific uh, sort of uh, goal. I think that's been the one thing that's kind of helped me do this is that all I have to do is cover issue one to one eighty one, and then I'm 
I'm done. I mean, there's there's no real jumping around or trying to figure out what I'm going to do. It's like, oh, let's see, I'm doing issue 94 this week. What am I going to do next week? Oh, issue 95. <laughs> That's simple enough. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so that and helps. You've got to be right at or just past 100 episodes, right? Uh, Actually, um, last – well, not last week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the one that I did with Professor Allen was technically – my 100th episode because the uh the guy gardner reborn and the emerald dawn issues and all that so Uh yeah i just passed 100 and didn't really give it any fanfare because i'm horrible at doing that well congratulations well thank you very much i appreciate it and you're coming up with uh superman in the bronze age you're uh past number 90 aren't you uh 90 comes out actually the week that uh this coming wednesday all right as we record this so you're you're no slacker yourself sir oh well thank you Yes. So and I, I I love Superman in the Bronze Age. In fact, oh, uh, thank you. I've got to say the Phantom Zone stuff that you did that was the crossover between that and the uh, sadly now defunct Charlie's Geek cast <laughs> was just awesome. I love that. I love that oh. series. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I tried really hard, but and I'm glad that you and Mike apparently uh, are the only two that downloaded it. But thank you very much. <laughs> For saying such I'm, kind I'm, of things, I'm certain I'm certain more than just myself and Michael downloaded. But we're just the yeah. pe- we're just the two people you've gotten in touch with who who can there praise you. how excellent it yes, was. Yes, and uh, and and I will say this, uh, since this is going to be right around Christmas, you probably won't want to hear any more Christmas music. But I am going to be. Uh, you mentioned that Charlie's Geekcast is dying. I will occasionally it's not completely dead i am going to do a couple rare specials i guess well, because cool. there's some stuff i wanted to do that i just didn't get a chance to do and it just won't fit in the superman and the bronze age thing because it's not superman and it's not in the bronze age but i am going to do a christmas special that's basically just going to be a bunch of my favorite christmas music so that will be coming out in the next week or two as well Awesome. I can't wait so, to listen to that. Yeah, I won't be talking much, but it'll be Christmas music. So. Oh, Christmas music. Well, that'll be something to put on your iPod and listen to while exactly. you're trying to get that last-minute bit of shopping in. And commercial-free. Oh, awesome. Two. I'm, gonna, I'm shooting for like two hours commercial-free Christmas music, so it's even better than the radio. Well, if... if, if um. What is it? Uh, the night Santa went crazy and Christmas and Ground Zero aren't in there. I will be sorely disappointed. Oh, don't worry, they're 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 there. Oh, great! I, I, you, I can't not do Weird Al. Exactly. Yeah. That if it's not Christmas for me unless I've heard <laughs> a Weird Al song about Santa slaughtering all his reindeer. That's that's <laughs> just makes the, the season. And yes. the elves too, yes. And of course, you know, dropping the big one on Christmas. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been just a joy talking to you. Um, Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for downloading and listening. And please come back next time for another episode of Just One of the Guys. Remember, the Two True Freaks family of podcasts. Bye, everyone. And if you can figure out which issue that Sean's going to talk about then, kudos. Bye. (laughs) You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingram. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the tendencies of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. 
I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, or search for Two True Freaks, the new rule 2, and you can subscribe to either the show or Two True Freaks there. You can also search me on Facebook, and now you can actually find me there as it was a requirement of my new DeMontecourt contract. But it still doesn't mean that I'll be joining your little Mafia Wars group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Gods, a Greenlander podcast. What'd you think about the uh, 50th? Oh, man. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, there are some plot holes. There are some a couple plot holes and little nitpicky stuff. Yeah. But I was just sitting there. I didn't get to watch it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it in 3D. Oh, but, you did. um, no, I did not. Oh, you did not. Oh, I was gonna. But see. uh, yeah, we went to we went actually um, we my I suggested it, but somehow we ended up going to a friend's house, and uh, we had a little kind of a who party. And they made they turned pretzel sticks into some sonic screwdrivers and <laughs> uh yeah it was I mean we, they went all out they uh, I think she even made some uh, tartar shaped no uh or the Dalek shaped cookies nice one or the other I can't remember now um uh, but and and we just sat there and they had they've got a somewhat new like fifty five inch TV and um you know all HD and everything and. We watched this. We all just sat there and watched the special together. We ended up having to pause it a couple times because uh, his wife had to go check on the cookies and the pretzels and stuff. But we all sat there, and the girls they don't know Doctor Who, but they enjoyed it. That's but good. my buddy and I were we oh it was awesome. And then the part when the all t- thirteen of them mm-hmm. uh, showed up that was cool. And yeah, especially you know even the little eyebrow cameo from Peter. Capone. Oh yeah, that was like I. That was jaw dropping because I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, Tom Baker coming back was really cool too. I think uh, I think that was the thing that you know older school fans were just giddy about. I know I was. I, yeah, it was. It, it, I, I said on the show this is perhaps the you know out of all the nerd properties that we've had out this year that have been controversial, like Man of Steel and Star Trek and the Wolverine, and people are getting you know kind of worried about what's going to be happening with the new X-Men days of future past movie. Mm-hmm. It's glad I'm glad that there was something out here this year that at least I think everyone who was a fan of it could get behind and say, yes, this was well done. Well, that's cool. I just, re- I just realized I, f- I know it's a two, it's a two true freaks podcast. Cause that's how I download your show, but you're my first two true freaks show. That is true. You yeah. know, well, I, you know, See, this is the weird thing. I always, I always think of my show as sort of, you know, not really, you know. I think of when I think of two true physiques, I think of the Monday shows, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, comics, and now comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when Chris basically asked uh, me to or offered to 
have the show hosted on the side, I was like, oh, okay, cool. But, you know, I've always tried to promote their show primarily because they were kind of the guys who got me into podcasting and the whole, you know, get off your ass and do a podcast thing was the sort of impetus for me <laughs> starting this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, anytime that I can, I try and give them promotion or whatever. So that's, that's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hold on for a second. Uh, okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go see what's going on with my kids. One second. <laughs> no problem. What's going on down here? Can you turn it down just a bit? Can you turn it down just a bit? Thank you. I love it. What's going on down here? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord.